0: Hey, good morning. morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. If you're just checking us out today, thanks so much for coming and checking out our church for an hour. I'd love to meet you after the service. You could just come down front and say hello. That would be great. So we're in this series called Faith, and you probably already figured out what the title is today by the word up there, decisions, because you've been faced with decisions already today, like did we get up or not? uh, which service do we go to? Oh, we're going to go to church. That'd be the first one. And then which one service is this the week we're going back to summer hours or is it later? I'm not really sure. It's next week. 930 1115 starting next week. Where are we going to go for lunch? Another decision you probably made. Am I going to sit with my parents or not sit with my parents? Are we going to walk in together or not? What if I see that person? How am I going to react? we're probably faced with a lot more difficult decisions in life as well. Who should I marry? What job should I take? Should I kick him out or let him stay? Should I forgive and move on or make him pay the consequences? Is it time to end our marriage or not? And if you're one of the 20 plus high school graduates that we have this year at LifePoint, maybe you're thinking, uh, what should I do with the rest of my life? So decisions can be really difficult. In fact, decisions can really paralyze us. A lot of people get, you ever been paralyzed that you just can't decide which way to go, one way or the other? Now marketers are figuring out that uh, there's, there's something really big when people try to make decisions that we would think that if I have more choices, so there's some things that paralyze us. One of them are choices. You would think, well, choices are better. Well, one, one study that I looked at said that these people were given this, uh, they're in this controlled environment. One group of people were given the choice between 30 different kinds of chocolate And another group was given a choice between six different kinds of chocolate. And you would think, well, 30 different choices. That's much better versus six. But what they found is that the people who had less choice enjoyed what they chose more than the people who had more choices. So some of the things that can paralyze us, too many choices. Just think about your grocery store. Like when I was a kid and you wanted a box of cereal, there were maybe 25 choices. Well, today it's like, you know, like cereal heaven when you walk in a cereal. I mean, there's like hundreds, it looks like thousands of choices. Imagine what that looks like to a kid standing that high. And so what marketers are figuring out is we need to go smaller and provide less choices because it helps people make a decision faster, they'll spend more money, and they'll feel better about what they purchased. If you've ever been hot and sweaty on a Saturday afternoon working and you need this one little thing from the hardware store, I would much rather go to Ace and pay more because it's easier to get there and get back home than go where I have 600 choices of that one little screw and all different colors and sizes and all that. So sometimes too many choices can help hurt us when we're trying to make decisions. Another thing that really hurts us with decisions is pressure. Decisions made are made difficult when we put too much pressure on ourselves to get it right. If I don't just choose the right thing right now, it's going to ruin the rest of my life. If I don't get the right color car, how could I face myself? Or if I get the, that shirt instead of that shirt, uh, how could I live with myself? And so sometimes, maybe you're paralyzed in a decision because you're putting too much pressure And looking at things like, this is going to ruin the rest of my life. If it's wrong, my life is over. And some people are paralyzed because they're looking for a sign from God. God, if you could just give me a sign. Like, you know, make that person say that to me and then I'll know. Or uh, make that payment just right here and then I'll know. It's you that wants me to get in debt. I'll know it for sure. And we're waiting on God to give us a sign so we're paralyzed, can't make a decision. And then... In our desperation, when we think, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to decide, we turn to alternative methods of decision making, like the trusty eight ball. This thing's still around. You can still buy one of these at Walmart today. You could buy one of these when I was 10 years old. This this can really help with decisions. I mean, I've consulted almighty eight ball many times. Am I going to pass this test? My sources say no. Well, well, why study? You know, the eight ball said i not going to pass it. And you know if you had one of these, you asked it if he liked you or she liked you. You did. You asked it, am I going to get caught? Ooh, let me see. It is certain. <laughs> or you get the dreaded, concentrate and ask again. Am I going to get caught? And you resort to that. Or maybe, maybe you resort to just flipping the coin. You know, there's such a thing as flippism. Look it up. It's just flipping a coin, figuring out what am I going to do about flipping a coin? Where am I going to go? Like, hopefully you're not making major decisions, but if you ever want to know what your heart really wants to do, flip the coin and whatever you're thinking when it's in the air, that's probably what you want to do. Now, that's fine to use magic eight ball or flipping a coin when you're trying to decide where to go to dinner or what color of something to get or uh, where to go on a Saturday night. That's fine to let little insignificant decisions like that be made randomly. But what about bigger decisions in life? Like bigger decisions about relationships and bigger decisions about morals, bigger decisions about finances, There has to be a better way than just randomly doing whatever we want or letting some external source, we turn it over and then it tells us what we're going to do. Well, there is. And it's talked about in the book of Hebrews. This is uh, the book that we're studying, a chapter in this book throughout this series. It's a book in the New Testament. Uh, We don't really know who wrote it. Scholars aren't sure. It could have been the Apostle Paul, could have been a guy named Luke who was a follower of Christ. Uh, But the the fact is, uh, this book was written by a follower of Christ who wanted to encourage other followers of Christ who were actually considering stepping away from their relationship with Christ because Jesus wasn't coming through for them like they expected. And so this book is written to help encourage them in their faith. And it starts out talking about how Jesus Christ is the foundation for everything when it comes to their faith. And we're looking at Hebrews 11, this one chapter that's a a lot about faith. There's some Bibles coming down right now. You can uh, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. Uh, It's yours to keep. You can also follow along on the screen. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse one, says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So he's going to go on to talk about faith by citing some people from stories from ages past at this time that are recorded in our Old Testament. And it's going to be clear that if we're going to be people of faith, then we have to make decisions based on things we can't see. Now that might scare some of you to death to think, you mean I have to make a decision without knowing what the outcome is gonna be. Yes, that freaks some people out. Remember, he's talking to people who are considering leaving their faith and going back to what they knew before Jesus. And he's saying, wait a minute, stop, time out. You have to understand what faith is. Faith means that you have confidence in something that you can't see. In fact, what we're using to talk about faith is this, title. Let's read it out loud together. Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he's promised to do. So if you're struggling today with making a decision, or you know you're going to be struggling with making a decision, you're going to want to write down some of the things that I shared today. Because when you look at that definition of faith, faith is confidence confidence and who God says he is. And I'm gonna trust that he's gonna do what he promised to do. You have a choice when you make decisions. Are they gonna be faith-filled or faithless? If you trust God and who he is, decisions become clearer. Because God knows the future, you don't, so why not trust the one that knows the future? So when you're making a big decision, Trust the one who knows what the outcome is going to be. And he gives us an example of what it's like to trust in the one who knows what the outcome is going to be. He does it through telling a story of a guy named Abraham in the very next verses. In Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Now that's hard to do. Abraham, I need you to go. Where am I going? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell you. I just need you to go. Well, what about this? Doesn't matter. I just need you to go. Now for some personality types, that is horrible. Like, You want to know, is he going to end on time or is he not going to end on time? Sneaking a little peek at the timer in the back, just seeing how much time you got to go, because you want to know. You want to be aware of your surroundings all the time. Sometimes, not every year, but sometimes when my family and I go on vacations, we did this especially when the girls were a lot younger, we would just get in the car, and we'd just start driving. Does that, does that stress, who does that stress out? Come on, tell the truth, we're in church. Yeah, probably some of you just stresses you out, I got to know. I have to know where I'm going, because I want to be in control, I want to anticipate. I mean, it has taken us on some wild adventures, One time we were in the mountains of Georgia. Didn't know we were even going there. We just pull up and go, let's go this way. And we don't do that all the time, but it does, I love that. I get a thrill out of it. And so we're in the mountains of Georgia and my youngest says, I want to swim with dolphins. I was like, all right, that sounds like Key West, let's go. And so we just took off and we drove the however many 14, 15 hours it took to get there. And that's one of the most memorable vacations that we ever took. But for some people, that would freak you out. That's what Abraham was asked by God to do. I just need you to go. I'll tell you when to turn right or left. I'll tell you how far. I'll tell you how it's going to play out as you go along. But what I need you to do, Abraham, is I need you to go. And it says, he went without knowing where he was going. And as the writer of Hebrews is talking to this group of people who formerly were Jewish people who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, and now they're considering going back and, and taking back up all of that old religious legalism again because Jesus hadn't shown up on the scene yet. He hasn't returned, so they're thinking, we're just going to go back to our old ways. And this writer is trying to say, wait, 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 you've got to understand what faith is. So he uses a story they're familiar with. The story of Abraham is recorded in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. And here, here's how it all played out. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. He was first called Abram. Later, his name was changed to Abraham, same person. What he's telling us is is what a faith-filled decision looks like. The, a faith-filled decision that trusts in God for the outcome. Wouldn't it be nice to know what that really looked like? What well, he just told us. It's it's making a decision, taking a step, and trusting God for the outcome. Now, when you look at the story of Abraham there's some things you can pull out of that that could really help you today with decisions that you might be facing. The first thing is faith-filled decisions from this story, it's clear they start with God. God said something, Abraham, I want you to go. I'm going to take care of you. And he left. Now, you might be thinking, well, yeah, but God spoke to him. Like, he heard his voice. He spoke to him. And I would go if God spoke to me. If I heard God say, you need to go, and this big booming voice from the sky, I would be like, all right, I'm going. No questions, I'm gonna go. Would you really? Are you sure? Are you sure you would if you really heard the voice? So how can, how can today you make decisions and make sure they've started with God? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. The voice of God is available to us today in the form of those Books we just handed out. The voice of God is available to us today through the words of inspired writers from thousands of years ago who wrote down what God told them to write. And now we can open it up and we can read the voice of God. So, what does it look like to let the voice of God come out of the Bible into my life and help me with decisions? So, ask yourself this when I'm getting ready to make a decision if I want it to start with God, the first question is, how do I acknowledge God in this decision? How do I acknowledge God in the decision, whatever it is, that I'm about to make? So God told Abraham what he wanted him to do. He didn't tell him how it was gonna happen. He just said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. He didn't say how. He just said, I want you to go. Over the past couple of years at Our house, we've had to help our girls decide on college. Our youngest goes away this fall. Uh, woo You know, it's gonna be freedom around our house. Not really. Uh, I'll cry. But our youngest goes away. But uh, over the last couple years, we've had to think about, well, how do you choose a college? How do you make that choice? Because that's a big choice. I mean, the one I chose uh, the third time was the place where I found my wife and I found Jesus and my life changed forever. So this is a big decision. And I can remember when our first one to go away was sitting at the dining room table one day, and I came in, and there were tears. Now, if you live in a house with all women, you have to understand. There's going to be tears occasionally. And anybody with me? It just, it's just how we roll, you know, three girls, one guy. It's just going to happen every now and then. So we, I come in, and there's tears. And I said, Molly, what's wrong? I don't know where I'm supposed to go to school. And I said, we got a bunch of choices. Let's talk about them. And she'd done the pros and the cons, and it had come down to two things. Two things, two places. Should I go here or here. I was like, well, which one do you want to go to? I don't know. Well, which one seems the best? I don't know. All right. So you don't know. Let's stick with what we do know. All right, let's go back to what we know for sure. Why this one? Why that one? So we talked through that. And what I ended up telling her that day was that, When you don't know what to do, you gotta stick with what you know. She's a follower of Christ, okay. You know you're gonna be that, right? Yes, I'm gonna be a follower of Christ, that's what I wanna be, that's what I've dedicated my life to. Uh, And you you wanna live your faith out when you're in college, yes I do. You wanna be an example, yes I do. You want to be an example in such a way that helps other people get in on Jesus because of the way you live your life, yes, okay. You know that, yes. Well, then now the choice is not this one or this one. Now the choice is, where can I go and be God's girl? Because I'm 100% sure that's what God wants for you. Because she was asking, what does God want? What do you think God wants? And I said, well, I'm not sure what God wants. Uh, I'm not sure if he's saying A or B, but I do know that he wants you to be his girl. I'm 100% sure of that. And so, based on what you've told me, I think both are right, both are correct. So she chose the beach. <laughs> But both were right. It wouldn't have mattered because once you make the decision based on what you know, and so when I have to make decisions, I got to back up. Well, what do I know? You know, some of the questions I get asked, people struggling with decisions, uh, I, I thought last week and thought, what are some of the big questions that people ask me? And they're all in just a few categories it's about relationships. So, should I marry this person or not? I get asked that one. Should I be friends with this group of people or not? Should I take this job or not? Should I live in this city or not? This career or not? Should we do this for our kids or not? And I don't have the answer to those questions. I don't know. But here's what I do know. The decision you're facing, will it allow you to acknowledge God in your life? And can it be held up as an example of what a godly decision looks like. So if you're looking for somebody to marry, well, is that person going to help you become all that God's created you to be? Is that person gonna help you with your faith or not? If they're not, I know what the answer is. Don't do it. If it's not going to help you be what you know God wants you to be, we're sure of that, that God wants people together in marriage who are followers of Christ and can help each other in their relationship with Christ. I'm 100% sure of that. And if that can't happen, I don't think it's a good idea. So should I uh, do this for my kids or that for my kids? I don't know. I do know that God wants you to be a godly parent. And I've had people ask me, should I choose this job that takes me away from home more? Well, I don't know. Will that job help you be a better, parent in training your child up to know Christ if yes then do it if no then don't do it will putting my kid on five travel teams help them in their relationship with Christ I don't know maybe but the answer is not do that or not do that the answer is if I do that will it help what I know and that is my responsibility as a parent to help my child grow up in such a way that they can make their own decision whether or not they want to follow Christ that's where the decision starts. And if you make that decision first, a lot of the other decisions are already made for you. So start with what you know. So faith-filled decisions start with God. What do I know about God? What do I know about God's desire for my life? So when you're in front, got a big decision in front of you, just start with whatever you know. Now, some people, when they make decisions, they'll say, you know what? God just opened the door. Praise the Lord. He opened the door, uh, and and I just walked right through it. Now, if if you didn't grow up in church, opening a door, uh, that's kind of church speak. Uh, That's code for God let me do exactly what I wanted to do. And he just opened that door so wide, and it was what I wanted anyway, so praise God. He just opened the door for me. Now, when you're looking for this open door, here's a few Guidelines. You need to write these down. God is never gonna provide opportunities that lead you or your family away from him into harm's way. Never. He will never provide an opportunity that makes you less effective as a parent to teach your kids about Christ. Never. It's not gonna happen. That's already been decided. You have kids. That's already your responsibility. So he's not gonna provide opportunities that you might think, oh, what a great open door. I'll see you in five years. I gotta go. He's not gonna provide those kind of opportunities. You might have them, and you have to decide, but you need to back up to what you know. God will never provide an opportunity for you to have a romantic relationship with anybody other than your spouse, ever. It won't happen. When you stood face to face and said, I promise, do you? Yes, I do. Now, yes, marriages end, but God is never going to provide an opportunity for you to betray the trust that someone else has placed inside, in, in you. Never, ever, ever. For me, in June of 1992, the decision was made standing at a church with my minutes away from being my wife, when I was standing with her, making my commitment, receiving her commitments, the decision was made on how I interact with the opposite sex and how I uh, allow them to make me feel It was made. So, an open door will never lead to a place that will harm your relationship with God or the relationship with the people you've made commitments to in your life. Young folks, students, God is never going to put a guy or a girl in your life that doesn't respect your relationship with Him. Ever. It's not going to happen. If you're a girl, God's never going to send you a guy that you think is awesome and yet mistreats you, and yet doesn't respect the fact that you want to be that you want to be a lady, that doesn't respect the fact that hey I'm not getting in the back seat or wherever you go today. God's not going to put a guy like that in your life. It's not going to be an open door. So don't get all messed up inside trying to make the decision when that decision's already been made. It's already happened. So the question is, do the opportunities or people in my life enrich my relationship with God or do they harm it? That's the decision to make. And if you make that decision first, I used to tell college kids when I worked with them all the time, guys, make the decision. I'll get the guys together, especially when I saw they were starting to date somebody. I would say, you got to make the decision right now before you're watching the movie, before you're laying on the couch. Before you get there, make the decision when it's really easy to make. Because you're a guy, you're human, I know what decision is really easy to make if you don't make it now. And so make the decision before you ever get there and it becomes a lot easier. So if you're struggling, just back up and realize what is it I know for sure. God is never going to open a door that's going to lead me to a place that harms my relationship with him. It won't happen. So the whole God just wants me to be happy, stop whining about it. That God never said he wants you to be happy. Ever. What he says, he wants you to have a full life. And he promises you that. So, faith-filled decisions always start with God. Faith-filled decisions aren't always easy. It says that Abraham left without knowing where he was going. That's not easy. Now for... Some of you, I mentioned uh, our 20 plus grads today, this is one of your last Sundays as a, as a high school student for some of you, including my, my youngest. Uh, for some of you, you have to really embrace this. Faith-filled decisions, they're not always easy. So when you're choosing a career, now us as parents, we want you to choose a career. Uh, we struggle with saying, choose a career that makes a lot of money, so you don't have to come for me for money. And right parents, isn't that what we really wanna say? But that's not, that's not what I told my kids. What I tell them is, you choose something that you're passionate about and God has gifted you in and you pursue that and something will happen. Something will work out. I was pursuing one thing, had no ambition to be a pastor, ever. In fact, I was like, no way I'm ever doing that. And, and I was pursuing being an educator. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I felt like I was gifted And that's what I was pursuing. I was pursuing what I was passionate about. And then God just moved things around in ways I never thought were possible. So, and it wasn't always easy. In fact, it got really difficult at times. So faith-filled decisions, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm making a faith-filled decision. It's gonna be so easy. But you folks that are just starting out, follow your passions that God has placed in you and continue to sharpen the gifting he's given you. And just watch what happens in your life. Maybe you'll make a lot of money. Maybe you won't. But you will live the full life that Christ promised us. Later on, in Hebrews 11, it says, And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited some of the, the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by God. So what Abraham understood was, even though I get to this promised land, I've made the right decision, I've followed God, I started with him, it was difficult, but I did it anyway, I'm still living in tents. I still don't have the mansion, I still don't have all the money that he probably used to have before he started following God and listening to him. And what's what's he looking forward to? It says he's looking forward to something beyond this earth, a city designed and built by God. God. So when Abraham and his wife Sarah started traveling, uh, they were probably wealthy land and property owners. And they left everything just because God said to go. That probably wasn't easy. So he goes in and tells his wife, hey, I built all this stuff up for us. We got all of our family. We got herds we got flocks we got uh property uh we're gonna live in tents now so could you just pack everything up imagine ladies if your husband came to you and said hey you seen that tiny house thing i want one of those and we're gonna live in it you would probably say you're gonna live in it i'm not living in the tiny house so sarah probably i mean she's just going along with her husband but she's being obedient to god too but it didn't guarantee that life was going to be easier it just guaranteed that they were going to be following God's will for their life. And so, faith-filled decision, not always the easiest decision. It's so easy to say, this is what God wanted when everything works out for us. It's an easy route to just blame God for all of our blessings and all the great stuff that's happening in our life when maybe that's not the direction we needed to go. So, the question to ask yourself is if you're facing a decision, am I willing to do what may look foolish to others to decide what's best for my relationship with Christ? Living in tents? Whew. Maybe. The best decision is not always the easiest one. I remember when, when the opportunity that I had been praying for, which was to help plant a church, came my way in 2004. It came out way in a way I didn't anticipate when I was asked, hey, come and help us get this life point thing going. And I was like, okay, oh, we can't pay you. <laughs> we just want you to come do it full time. Oh, well, what do I do? Well, you have to raise money. You have to ask friends for money. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. So I went from a paycheck to zero. And a person who was involved in my life at the time looked at me and said, you are a fool. You have two little kids. You got a mortgage. You got a family to take care of you're going from a paycheck to zero, you're a fool. And I was like, well, I'll just be a fool for Jesus because I really think I'm supposed to do this. And so we did. It didn't, look, it didn't look like it made sense to a lot of people, and it was uncomfortable in many ways. But it led me to the next thing you get with faith-filled decisions, and that is that faith-filled decisions bring confidence. Faith-filled decisions bring confidence. Confidence even if it's hard, even if you're not fully aware of what's going on. Earlier in this series, we talked about circumstantial faith, faith that's dependent on everything lining up just right. And if you're waiting on everything to just line up right, to be perfect before you make a decision, you'll never make a decision. You know those kind of people. You know, they're like, aim, 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 and they never fire. They never make the decision. So if that's you, if you've just been aiming for months and years, fire, fire. Because a faith-filled decision will bring confidence, even if you don't know the outcome. Remember, faith involves taking a step without knowing what's going on. Let's read this together again. Faith is the confidence. Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and will do what he's promised to do. So if you're writing things down, write these two things down. Because if you're making a decision right now, here's something to consider. First thing his word. God's word. In, uh, also in Hebrews chapter four, it says this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It expresses the innermost thoughts and desires. God's word is the place to start because that is where you will hear his voice. Now, is God going to tell you what the guys or girls, amen, you're gonna marry? He's not gonna tell you that, but he'll tell you the type. He'll tell you what you should be looking for. Is God's word gonna tell you what city you should live in or what income level you should shoot for? No, but he's gonna give you a proper perspective on money if you do earn a lot of it and on how to deal with contentment if you don't have very much of it. Is God gonna say, major in this and go to that city? He's not gonna say that, but he is gonna get deep into your heart and help you understand the full life that he has for each of us. So the place to start, if you're struggling with the decision, is starting His word. Another place that you can't avoid if you're making a big decision, is, is God's people. In Proverbs 15, it says this: "Plans go wrong for lack of device. Many advisors bring success. Being around people. Every major decision I've made in life, including marrying Cinda, I had people in my life that I asked, you think that's a good idea? You think I'm being stupid here? Do you think I should do any move we've made, any big decision in life? I had counselors in my life where I could say, do you think I'm doing okay? Is this right, is this not? And you need that if you're going to make decisions. So his word and his people with the understanding that faith-filled decisions start with God, they're not easy, but yet they bring confidence, then every decision in front of you, it won't be easy, but it'll be easier. And you can make them with faith, in faith, with the confidence that God is who He says He is, and He's going to do exactly what He promised to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for the story of Abraham that helps us Make better decisions that prevents us from just flipping a coin or using some other random method. God, we praise you for that involvement in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.